You're listening to Monsters of Talk. I'm Margaret Cho. I'm here with my co-host. Hello, I'm Jim Short. Jim, um, we went to footy. Footy in, uh, in Melbourne, Australia. We went to Australia. Is it Australian Rules Football? Yeah, Aussie Rules. Footy game. Footy. Oh, you went to footy? You went to footy? Is that, I can't do it. I can't do it. All right. Footy? Margaret Cho. Footy. <laughs> How was the footy, love? How was the footy? Who won? Who won? But it's, um, it, it, it was, it's a very big game, you know, and it, it, it seems to be very, people get really emotional. Yeah. And we actually went, we went down, we were in one of the sort of the sky boxes, the private boxes, because mm. um, our wonderful promoter there um, had a box and they had served food and, you know, and, and we were having a grand time. But then we went down into the, the stands just to buy, I went to go buy a scarf for Collingwood, 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 Collingwood. <laughs> and they are, their, their mascot is? The Magpies. <laughs> so a woman who was rather drunk near the end of the game, uh, Collingwood was winning and I had a, the, my scarf and we go, got in the elevator and she tugged at the end of the scarf and she goes, pause. <laughs> like, but it was really like, it was very, pause. Like, what is that? Like kind of, pause. Like she was, it was like a baking a pie. All the way up her throat. <laughs> and it came but up. But she just, uh, she was very happy to see somebody mm-hmm. wearing the scarf of her team. Was winning. She got up right up in, right up onto you. Yeah, she got up oh. on me. And, 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 and she, and would, she would shake your, your scarf. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she was really making a Brian Brown face. <laughs> Like it was like she was serving me Brian Brown and I didn't know what to do, honey. She was giving me like a real thorn bird's face, like it was a real pause. So, um, but anyway, we were having a grand old time in the skybox with a lot of other comedians who um, our promoter had brought over, and uh, one of them was the great Jack D, who was so funny. Mm. And so cool. Yeah. And we had a great chat with him. And then we ended up seeing him because he was sort of tailing our, our tour. So we were, we were usually playing a place because we ended up touring the rest of Australia. And then we were, would be playing a place uh, one day before him. Yeah. So he would come in and he'd watch the show. He came um, to see us in Brizzy. Yeah. And he was so gentle and kind and complimentary. Really genuine. Just a good bloke. Just a really good bloke. And handsome and and just really somebody that i i just really admire and you know we got to know him yeah and we had a really good time a nice chat so we're at the footy match so about halfway through the game sort of starts and there's like the songs the 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 anthem of the football club so there's a bit of you might hear that in the background and the the, the crowd cheering. So yeah. we're at, we're at the footy, mate. We're at footy, but we're far from the footy. Yeah. So we're at the heady. <laughs> we were at the heady of the footy, and because it, it was so, it was actually so removed from what was going on 
down in the stands, you know, because in the stands, the electricity Mm. in the air could not be felt in the skyboxes because it, you know, because we're actually so far from the game that it was really, um, I mean, it it was really removed. I mean, it was almost like watching it on television. Right. And then there was a man, but there was a man in the stands in front of us that, um, there's a glass, uh, the skybox is glass, and then the, the sun was bouncing off the glass and bouncing off onto this man's neck. So we watched this man's neck turn from, you know, I guess uh, very pale to just the most sunburned because it was, it was like he was being burnt with like, was like a magnifying glass <laughs> and like his neck was an ant. Yes. I mean, he, it's like somebody was trying to start a fire on his neck. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was being burned alive in front of us for our enjoyment. But it was like uh, it was like red back the pirate, <laughs> red back the pirate, pause. <laughs> but I just I kept I I could tell the time from how red his neck was. Right, right. Like oh, we've been here for four hours. <laughs> but he get it. I was worried. Yeah, it's what's well, it concerned down there because it's very sunny. And he had the extra sun of, of it bouncing off that glass. Bouncing off the glass and, and reflecting onto his neck. And you know he didn't have any sunblock on. You know he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't. And he, all, you know, he, he was just so in, involved and the, the game was so important that it was hard to... You know, it, I think it was hard for him to focus on anything but the game. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But that's a fan who yeah. will stand there and, and with, with, withstand the, the, the elements... Yeah. Slowly burning you away. Yeah. Disintegrating you. All for footy. All for the pies. Pies. Who, um, our tour manager, Dave, Dave Butterworth. Dave Butterworth. Dave, Dave Butterworth. I can't say it now. How do you say it? Dave Butterworth. No, but like, how would you, is it that, that how would you say like a, it's, I lose the accent so easily. But okay. Butterworth. Butterworth. But he um, was our great, great tour manager and he was a real Collingwood fan. Yeah. And he was very proud that I got the Magpie scarf mm. and that I supported the Magpie. But then, you know, like wearing that scarf like through airports and stuff, you people really commented. Mm. You know, like TSA. They would. Uh... What? There's a dog. There's a dog at the door. There's a dog at the door. TSA, maybe he's a Collingwood fan. Could be. Or a Tiger fan. The Tigers. Or a Collie. A Collie. (laughs) A Collie. (laughs) But the, um, you know, like TSA commented, I can't can't let you through here. With that. Not with that scarf. Not with that scarf. Not with that scarf. You're a troublemaker. I'm just kidding, love. Go on through. (laughs) Because they know that I'm clearly not Australian. Mm. I don't know fucking shit about it. Yeah. But my, my nickname is Magpie, so I have to be, that's the appropriate team for me. Yeah. Because that's um, what I'm called. So that, that you know, it's, um, anyway, it was a really different kind of day that we had. We had sausage rolls. We had uh, pies. They had pie, pie. Yeah, some little pies. Little pies. And, and, and we had this great, great time with a really incredible guy, Jack D. So, have a listen. Jack D is here at the festival. What's your show called here? 
Um, well, over here it's called An Evening with Jack D, but that wasn't my choice. They called it that. I, I, I always worry if you call a show that that people are going to think that you're going to take them out afterwards for dinner and stuff. But it's just it is just a show. I don't I don't include anything else. No. It's just comedy included, nothing else. That's Everything right. else is an extra. They don't get the whole evening. You don't get a drink after or anything. That's too long of a title. Yeah, it is exactly. So that's why generally when I'm touring, I just call it Jack D, you know, and that's all you get. Yeah. And then there's no confusion. I hate when the people just really insist on like, well, what's the show about? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Oh, that I, I mean, I'm not, I'm nowhere near clever enough to write around a theme anyway for that long. So, I, I, you know, I could call it, you know, I could call the show, um, you know, uh, tables I have known in my life. And um, but and I, but after about after two jokes, I'd get stuck, and then I, everyone would say you didn't really stick to the theme, the table theme. It's not there anymore. I mean, yeah, that then it's like, but I never had a theme. I'm, that's really a very British kind of thing to get a theme, and I guess because it's like. You know, I think British people are really smarter yeah. than Americans, so obviously, so they like need to have like, you know, their like books yeah. and writing and reading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, 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 I don't think we are at all. But uh, there's, there seems to be a hang-up about having a theme on a show, and uh, I, I just think you know, try and keep it funny, and um, the rest will follow. Mm. You, um, so you're playing a really big place here in Melbourne in Town Hall, and yeah. um, and and you know, I feel like it's really exciting because I I I know you from London Underground, right? Yeah. So I'm um, I really love that show because I would watch it, and then actually I had some friends on there like Laura Keitlinger went on there, yeah. and Judy Garofalo went on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are my friends, mm. really from like a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I mean I remember doing it with uh, there were a couple of people that came over and did it, and. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy who became. He, he's he's now a, I've forgotten his name. He's a uh, he's a Tom cop. It, no, he's a cop in a in a TV show, and he's a oh, comedian. No. Richard Belzer. Richard Belzer. Thank yeah, you. Richard thank you. Yeah, Belzer. He's wonderful. Yeah, a brilliant. Yeah. yeah he's a and a good actor as well, actually. Really good actor. Um, yeah, he keeps um, his dogs off leash. Yeah. His dogs. Um, he's got such control. He lives in France, and he's a wonderful friend. And he's um. You know, he uh, doesn't have to have leashes for his dogs because they're French <laughs> and, and American, like French and American and really beautiful and, you know, a little bit older, but really, you know, kind of like that 70s comedy, yeah. 1976 comedy, really cool and beautiful dogs um, who are off leash. But then if you get close to the dogs, they'll bite you. Uh, they? They're not good dogs. Oh, really? Do they, do they bite Richard as well? No. Oh, they're okay with him. Because he's... They, why, why does he live in France now? Well, he's an expatriate, you know. He's like very... He's a lot like, you know, in a, in a sense, you know, it's almost... He's got that Ernest Hemingway thing that, like, he's very artistic and very worldly and, you know, his... um. His home is in France, and not even in Paris. It's in like the south of France, and like in the Côte d'Azur. And so it's very—I mean, they're just so—they're they're, so—I saw them at the last time I saw them. It was at the Kennedy Center, and we were—we were honoring George Carlin after post almost sleep, post almost sleep, or whatever. And and it was just so—and it was uh—and <laughs> you know that that when it's really like uh and uh, and I'm really—I don't survive in that atmosphere. Uh, it's not me either, but I—I uh, no, I've heard enough about his great life. He's great, though. He's a great comic. And so that's a good time to, to like, who else did you do the show? Do you remember what? I'm trying to remember who were on that particular show, but I, um, I, I have, you know, over the years I've worked with an awful lot of the guys who've come through. 
uh, through London especially because I've hosted a lot of the shows that they've appeared on and I did this run in the West End in about 1990 and they had um, was like Larry Amorous and um, and Larry Miller who I, was a huge influence on me when I was just a young comic you know oh dear is he what happened with him he had a fall and and I think landed on his head and was, uh, I don't know if he was in a coma, maybe very briefly, oh, no. but uh, um, it, it affected him very, very uh, uh, badly, but he's recovered quite well, uh, and he's, he's done a few sets. I saw him at the Comedy Magic Club uh, well, oh, on one uh, of Jay's nights. Get well, Larry. Larry came out there, but he's a great guy, a wonderful guy, but yeah, he had a real, real, uh, real big fall. That routine he had, the, the stages of drunkenness, which mm-hmm. is just, I just thought was one of the best kind of written pieces of stand-up right. I've ever it's seen brilliant. performed. It's just brilliant. And I, he was a big influence on me, actually, when I was young. Um, yeah, yeah. And Bill Hicks was uh, came through and did a week at the place. And uh, and also, there were some real old guys as well. I had some Catskill comics, you know, like a guy called Freddie Roman. Um, oh, an old boy. For, yeah. yeah he, for, he was like a, a, a Frank Sinatra guy. He would open for Frank Sinatra, a bunch, like, like Tom Dreesen. Like he was one of those, or Corbin Monaco. Yeah. They would open for um, Sinatra and Dean and Rat Pack people. Wow, so cool. And Carol Leifer was on oh, the came through. Yeah. Is she? You know everyone. Really yeah, yeah. Well, Carol Leifer now is a lesbian. Is she? And yeah. she um, has a Guatemalan child they adopted and eight chihuahuas with special needs. Eight. Okay. I, I, yeah. Eight chihuahuas. They've seen you. They've all got special needs. You know, she's a lesbian, so that's the, they I, like the special needs. I guess animals. something like that would happen with her in her life. When I when I met her, I thought. I can see how it's going to pan out for you, Carol. <laughs> She's wonderful. She's a very close friend. I can see friend. two hours, you know, it's mm. going to happen. But I love it. We also know Rich Scheidner. We're very good friends yeah. with him. Uh, I don't know him. Um, Dana Bill. Gould was oh, out Dana, there. Dana, we're very close to also. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he, he writes a lot now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he was funny. He, um, he, I don't know what the status of this project. The last time I spoke to him, um, he was, well, he was doing two things. He was taking care of the um, Vampira estate. Yeah. So he was the executor of her will. Because she died, and um, she was very, very iconic horror figure in the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. Um, brought in, like, sort of ushered in the era of Avira and late night creepy horror show stuff. So she died, and he was the executor of her will, and he was um, dividing up her stuff and her belongings and all of her things. You know, to, he, he cared for her through her death, and they were very, very close. And so she was like his mother in a way. And then, then so right now, when I was talking to him, we were um, discussing. Uh, his TV show, which is in development at FX in America, which is, um, I don't know if you've seen that movie about Metallica, some kind of monster, oh, yeah. and where the band goes into therapy. Well, it's about the Foo Fighters, and it's the Foo Fighters are in therapy with Dana as their therapist. And so I was talking to him about playing his wife on the show. So I don't know what the status is right now, but Dana is really like, I think it's because the Foo Fighters would actually be in it, and Dave Grohl is executive producing it. So, and Dave Grohl really likes me, so I think, you know, that would be a really great show, though. That would be amazing. So that's what they're doing uh, yeah, right I'd love now. to see that. I think it would be really yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my son is a huge Foo Fighters fan. I mean, like mental, yeah, so. But they're so, the thing about Dave Grohl is it's so nice that it, they're too nice to a point of like, because I did the stupidest thing. I, okay, I, I took these guys to see the Foo Fighters, and I didn't really know them. But I know Dave and I know Pat Smear for a long, long time. So I took them backstage and there were these guys in their mid-40s. They were dads who never go out. And they were just so excited to be backstage at a Foo Fighters show and so excited to meet them. And so and getting drunker and drunker and drunker. And they weren't with their kids and were with their wives. So they didn't have that kind of like 
anything to hold him back. And I'm like somehow fucking babysitting. Like I'm somehow like now. What did I? When did I become? Yeah. Why am I? He, why am I like a ch- chief or something? So I'm like trying to manage them. They're getting fucked up and talking about how hard they're gonna high five Dave Grohl when he comes. And I'm like, this is gonna be bad, bad, bad. So finally, they're they're really drunk. Dave and the band get there. And Dave is so nice and, like, goes into, like, the dressing room with them and is talking to them for, like, 45 minutes. And Dave won't say, because they're my friends, because I've talked to Dave before, and I was like, please, they're really big fans, but they could just have a picture. But Dave is, like, not doing, you know, not trying to get him away, because he's kind of been, you know, invited in. They've been invited in by me. And so finally, the one guy high-fives Dave Grohl so hard, he, <laughs> Dave went, ah! Oh! And he broke a little bone in Dave Grohl's hand. And I felt like I was going to die. Like, I felt... And then the tour, at that moment, the tour manager started putting his hands up, and I go, let's get out of here. And I grabbed everybody, and I got him out. And I looked at Dave. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And that was the night that they had to be um, helicoptered over to SNL to play behind Mick Jagger for the season opener for SNL. And the whole time I saw, during the show, Dave was like... Because, like, he did it, and Dave kind of, like, went, uh... And then Dave kind of went, um... Like, sort of, like, I was assessing his hand, and he was like, dude... And he was trying to be a good, good sport about it, but I knew it was bad, and I knew it was my fault, and I've never, I, I have never been able to, um, you know, talk to Dave again because I'm so mortified. Horrendous. So oh. I, I would like, to, I, I would, I would like to uh, introduce um, your son to. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if we are on the right terms right now. Oh, goodness me, yeah. He was, uh, I hope he was better, but that's terrible for you. I know, I, you know, that responsibility you feel. For yeah, you. sometimes you have, but people ask us for things, and I, since I have, I guess, some sort of access, sometimes yes. I want to oblige them if they're nice people. I don't know them, though. I don't know people that well. Mm-hmm. I just think, maybe I'm a show-off. Maybe I'm just like, oh, I fucking am so, I'm, I'm, so I know every famous person in the world, so I mm-hmm. think I'm all fierce about it, yes. and I want to show that off. You're like a weird Make-A-Wish foundation <laughs> for odd, odd people. But who wants to who wants to high-five Dave Grohl that hard? Why? How is that a fantasy? You know, it was kind of like a it was like a slingshot. Like he had stretched his it so stretched his like desire to high-five so much, and it was so hard like stretched out like the force behind it. By the time he finally met Dave Grohl, and we're sitting in a room smaller than we are now. And it's very humble surroundings. And it's just, you know, Dave, it's like, it's, you know, yeah. so nice. Yeah, yeah. So cool. And, you know, he hugs me. And then I introduce him to these guys where, you know, take him away. And then they're, they're making videos. And Dave Girl's like standing there and like making a video after video after video for all their friends. And, oh, I, I'm so embarrassed. But. Well, it's a difficult one, isn't it? But, you know, it's un- fame doesn't change. It just changes everyone else around you, doesn't it? And that, right. and that behavior is, is what a shame. What a, what a pity. But that, yeah, I mean, someone with, with real excitement issues, isn't it? You know, so. you need to deal with exciting moments in your life and learn how to cope. Have you ever, have you ever caused or had an embarrassing moment like that with yourself or even yeah. other people with a, like an iconic or somebody that's an idol? I um I once uh, was uh, in Liverpool and uh, in a hotel and uh, Paul McCartney got in the lift and I was so uh, gobsmacked that and he said hello and, um, and yeah which is weird and and then I and I would you imagine you know I said hi and I thought you have to say something now and so I said um, so you, have you been in Liverpool before. <laughs> 
first, I'll, I'll get out first of this time here. I'll get out here. I'll get out here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll walk the rest of the way. <laughs> Wait, what did he say? He said, uh, oh, you know, kind of. You know. <laughs> Uh, of course you have. Oh, stupid question. <laughs> but maybe he thought like, oh, he's 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 riffing with me, yeah, and I'll run with it. Yeah, well, but he recognised you. He might have been. Well, yeah, you know, he. I, I, funny enough, I bumped into him again, and he was so nice, he's so friendly, and uh, you know, at a radio station, and he's he is uh, he does like to sort of mess around, and um, a, a very nice guy. But he he evidently he'd for, forgiven me my stupid re- remark I'm sure you know he's Ho- a big fan of yours he's a big fan of comedy yeah he likes so hopefully he thinks that uh, that, that was a, a funny thing that I said and sure. <laughs> I remember being uh, with Proops backstage at a big audio dynamite concert in Dallas Texas oh, yeah. this is 91 oh, wow. and Proops was so excited because Mick Jones came up to him and said oh haven't I seen you on the telly oh my god and he's like Mick Jones recognized yeah. me so it's that sort of thing, like Paul McCartney knew you. It, it is an odd one, isn't it? The other one was, um, uh, it happened to me with Rod Stewart as well in Harrods, and, and he said hello to me. He oh said, yeah, hello, Jack. And I thought, God, it is weird. And I was with my wife, so I, I mean, I, you know, she was so impressed. It was really great, really great, yeah. And, um, and then the paparazzi are waiting outside in Harrods, and, uh, and, they, and I come out and they said, have you seen Rod Stewart in there? And I, I thought, oh, he's my friend now. I said, no, I haven't. He's not in there. As as I know. He, he left hours ago. You missed him. <laughs> and, and the good thing is, his hands were intact. No bones yeah, exactly. were broken no, whatsoever. I didn't feel the need to no. take a mallet to his hands. Uh, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. Do paparazzi chase? The only time paparazzi, they chase you, paparazzi? No, they don't chase me at all. I mean, they, they'll take a photo of me because they're bored and no one else has turned up. But and there are certain places in Knightsbridge or you know shopping areas where if you're out shopping, they'll they'll photograph you. But they don't. I've had I've had a few incidents of them, you know, earlier on in my career when they were hanging around in the park to see me photograph me with my kids and stuff. But oh, that's real. I hate that. I hate taking pictures of your kids. That's yeah. like don't take pictures of my kids. No, no, it's wrong. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's wrong. It's, don't. That's a violation. It's like these children. They're not. These are children. Don't. Yeah. You know, I heard a story. You know, Emma Watson, who is yeah. in uh, Hermione in in Harry Potter. She um, she obviously gets chased all the, all the time, and she went out for her 18th birthday party to a nightclub, and she said when she came out, she thought this is really weird. Why are they doing this? And all the paparazzi were on the floor taking photographs of her, and she realised afterwards that because she was now 18, they felt they could take photographs up her skirt. And that's that's horrifying. I mean, that's horrifying. Like, how can they? I mean, that's well. I heard about one time like Elizabeth Hurley won a lawsuit where. They photographed her on the toilet, mm. and she won a lawsuit against one of one of those, you know, papers. But I think it's just really awful. But I've never I've never even been taken a photo of by any kind of British paparazzi. The only time I was was I was hanging out with the little Britain guys, like uh, Matt and Dave, and with and Don Don French. Yeah. And it was really late at night, and it was really um, this was at the height of Little Britain, like the height of their fame. And um, so we're all in a restaurant together, and then they, we all had to coordinate different exits because David Williams, is that his yeah, name? Williams, yeah. He was dating a, a model who was at the table with us, and he didn't want to be photographed with her. So then I left with David, and then that caused a minor um, yeah. thing. And then, and I, I was just like, what? And the, but they all had, everybody had separate cars. We had to have an ex- exit strategy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why do they know? Why are you caring about me? I'm like nobody. But they just really, because I was with him. It became like a, a thing. Yeah, it's not worth the effort in the end, is it? You think, uh, but uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm left alone. I'm not of any great interest to people. I'm just, you know, 
which is great. I get on with my job. It's the best. I mean, I think like for comics, I mean, it's great to be in a place where you can just endure because mm. I think that kind of fame burns out fast. People get sick of seeing it and they get angry at it and hate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Justin Bieber's and them, um, whatever the Kardashians of the world are really uninteresting. Yeah, yeah but, and you know it's yes, exactly. They, you, you know it's it's time limited. That is, it just can't carry on any longer. It's just. Uh, they all, they all up like a rocket, down like a stick, as they say. It's best to be... <laughs> wait, wait, is it? <laughs> up like a rocket, down like a stick. <laughs> that's, that's the name of the game these days. <laughs> I think that's what Justin Bieber wrote at the Anne Frank house. <laughs> First of all... What, what an asshole, seriously. You heard about what she wrote. He, he went to the fucking Anne Frank house and then wrote in the guest book about how she, Anne was a great girl. Yeah. She might have been a believer. I know, I know, I know. I know. If, if she'd if she'd have been a survivor, <laughs> she might have been a believer. A, sur- a survivor, fucking survivor. <laughs> but she's like, I mean, the thing is, is that I think she's like somebody that a lot of believers don't know. So this is a good thing. This may have a lot of girls who never heard about Anne Frank reading the diary of Anne Frank. Well, you make a good point, I think, because the fact that he took the trouble to go there in the first place is uh, something. His attitude perhaps was a a little bit uh, misguided and and immature, but I I think in fairness to the guy, and I I don't know anything about him really other than what I've seen, in fairness to the guy, I think it was a a kind of well-intentioned remark that he was trying to relate to her as a teenager and a real person in in his mind. Right. And that's how I like to view it rather than be... uh, too disparaging of it no you're right exactly it's like he's just learning about her and and trying to honor her in the only way that he knows how that's right i've i've been you know what i've seen him which is so weird i've been i've been subject to his performances live performances up close way too much like more out of proportion to anybody like i I really i wish my uh for some reason i keep crossing paths with him and keep seeing him doing these tv shows where i happen to be working also so he's performed in my face like literally like justin bieber lap dances and i feel bad because it so goes to waste yeah on me it's so wasted because he's 35 years younger than me also he's um a man yeah so doesn't you know he does look like a, lo- a lesbian, a lovely lesbian, enough yeah. that it would be kind of enjoyable. But I, I really have too much proximity if, to him. If he, uh, if he went for um, sex change, would that would that change your view? Would you be more possibly, interested? Possibly, possibly, if he transitioned. Yeah. Although, um, yeah, I, I have this odd uh, drawing pulling power for uh, him and like Jedward. Oh yeah. Who yeah. I love, they're my darling boys. But you know, I'm so much older. Like it's, I'm, I feel bad for the because I was in Stockholm with them. And there were girls waiting outside the hotel room, literally not even exaggerating, 300 girls standing in the rain for five days. Five days. In the same clothes, in the rain, cold freezing, waiting for a glimpse. And, and Jedward, every time they would go out and come in, the girls would, you know, like, scream and cry. And Jedward would be standing there and, like, kind to them. And then I would be in the bar with Jedward, making fun of them because they've never had a drink or a drug in their life. And I'm like, you better not start because look at me. <laughs> and there, there's no like, there's no wonderful like hot like rich, ritzy like backstage life or well, you know no. backstage past like glamour. It's because backstage it's just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total disappointment. They're, a, they're, a, yeah, they're. I mean, they're a funny couple. Those two guys, you know. Uh, I have, uh, I have twin boys, and uh, I can see that that thing. Cause I've, I hosted a, a show called Buzzcocks, you know, never mind Buzzcocks, yes, of that, and they were on it. Yes. And they were completely. 
mad on it. I mean, just really completely unruly. And I discovered it was really hard to discipline them or, or put them down in any way, shape or form because they're twins. Uh, it's exactly the same as my twin boys. Is you know, once you start telling them off, they can, they can, they blank you out. They can, they, they kind of have this telepathy and they'll look at each other and <laughs> you're not there anymore. And they're like that. So they can mess up, completely ruin the show. And then you, and then you have a go at them and then they kind of lock into each other while you're, <laughs> they're just impossible to deal with. I mean, they're like mercury, you know. You kind of <laughs> but that's great, you know, to have a closeness with somebody like that. Yeah. They have each other. Yeah, so that's really awesome. Show, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's very, very cool. I mean, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I did. I, I did Buzzcocks after you left. I was with um, who's on? He's really funny. He is Adam, uh, the 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 host that. What did I was on Phil Jupitus's team, and um, Neil, Noel Fielding was on the other team, and then the the, the guy that Adam um, Bloom. Adam Bloom, yeah. yeah, he was he was hosting it, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a good show. It's a fun show to do, isn't it? Really nice show. To do. It's really cool. It's a, it's one of those things in America we don't have anything like that. Um, you know, I think we try, but we just never. We we fail at like university challenge kind of things. We fail at anything like a really good like comic show like that. Yeah. Buscox, improv show. Why is that? Do you think? Stupid. Well, I don't think so because you do so many great TV shows, really great TV shows. All made up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made up things, made up people. Yeah. But uh, there, there's no like wit, just you know, just people, witty people together, just yeah. talking. But then that amazes me because I think the, uh, the, to hear you say that because I think American sitcoms are are so witty and so sophisticated and elegant and brilliant that that uh, I don't see why they wouldn't happen in that in that environment. And a lot of Okay, at their best, those panel shows are very funny, but there's a lot of very bad ones, very de derivative ones. Mm, I've never seen a bad one, so I guess I don't have the same kind of context. Yeah. What I see is like the best of the best. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in my mind, it's all, it's, it's all really good. But I, I think just being on them is really stressful as an American because you're trying to reference and, and stand into a culture and kind of trying to yeah. fit in. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's hard. You know, I don't think there's a lot of women on those shows. That's very true as well. It's quite. It can be. It can be quite a quite a uh, male-oriented environment, yeah. and uh, and that and that in itself makes it harder and harder for women to get into it. But Phil and Noel are so womanly, in yeah. different ways. Like you've yeah. got the matron, and then the, you've got that what the, the crone and the. Yeah. The maiden. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is one of those shows where 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 it does work for women when they you know when they're on the show they they, they generally do quite well and can be and, yeah. and can be be good on them. Yeah. I just didn't I didn't know because like, I had only because I hadn't really seen it, and that that many women on them historically. Yeah. So and I didn't you know think about how I did or how yeah. it was, but it was fun just to hang out with Phil and sure. you know be on his team. Certainly with those kind of shows, your 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 presence on them. Is, is somewhat determined by how well the audience know you already, and that's yeah. that that's going to be some of your currency. And if, if 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 they're not sure who you are, it's going to make it a little bit harder to get yeah. get your foot in the door. That's the thing about me in England and comedy is that people know that I'm famous, but they have no idea why. Yeah, right. So that's the hard thing mm. because they know that they should be they, they should be aware of it, but they don't they don't know why. Yeah, yeah. And then my work is not suited for England. It's really because I'm not. Um, I'm so self-aggrandizing that it it's so... When I do bad in England, I fucking die like nobody. It, like, it's horrible. Because I'm so... I, I don't know how to apologize or introduce myself or come halfway. No. I'm so the opposite of self-aggrandizing, almost as a defense. Right. So it's it's hard because I have to ask British comics, like, what's they're like, well, why don't you try to introduce yourself to them? Mm. Just try to come and in peace. Mm. 
because you're you're setting you're doing something that British comics do not do. Which is what? Be self-aggrandizing, yeah, yeah, unless yeah, it's yeah. a parody. Okay. Unless okay. it's a satire. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. when it works. Yeah. That so that high status thing is is yeah. is uh, one if it, if you don't hit the right note at the, at the beginning with the audience and right. you have made a hard job for yourself haven't you so hard but I don't even realize how hard because I'm so naturally pompous right such a fucking naturally pompous asshole that they immediately take that as like it's a front like oh oh like and it's real angry but are you setting up are you setting it up to knock yourself down all the time no. you don't do no that. no no it, that's why it's what why it's bad right because <laughs> they can't understand they can't understand they're like how could you come out on a high horse and stay on the high horse okay. and then ride the high horse at high speeds <laughs> like it's so Arabian Nights like yeah. coming like a fucking sheik yeah with a bunch of wives and shit like I don't even understand the concept of like self-deprecation yeah. or whatever and I don't um, I don't know how to do it I'm so not humble and that's part of my part of my glory in America yeah. they want that but not in England it's so different yeah I, I wonder why why we have a problem with that why we uh, why we won't allow people to 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 be like that when they're on stage it's a it's a, it's a funny dynamic and um, I think there is a that a lot of American comedians get away with being uh, cool guys being slick right and in and over in Britain they like their funny people to be idiots you know well and but brilliant and smart it's like it's it's a kind of a thing about like it's a tradition of like the court jester yeah. it's like the one person that can make fun of the king yes you can be the savant and uh, and come up with stuff but at the same time it generally is on the whole you have to be quite low status that's why you got a lot of comedians now they're, they're almost quite drippy and you know just sort of wearing wearing loose fitting t-shirts and moping around the around the stage like they need a good meal Right. I mean, it's like a class thing. Like that's why every time I'd see her hear or hear like a northern accent, it would be a guy doing real well. Yeah. Because it was like a working class hero. That's yeah. what they want. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the pubs yeah. and stuff. Mm, mm. That's what I found. So I, I've only had like experience in like pub comedy, and then um, kind of best of fest shows. Yes. And then also like my own shows, which are also very different too. So. Which are my own shows in England are often, and in, and in Scotland are not often British people. Are they not? You, you'll get what a home, uh, an American crowd comes it's, to you. It's mostly like Americans who are like, I can't fucking believe I'm going to see her in this little okay. place. Like, I can't fucking believe I can see her in like a 90 seat room. Like, this is, oh, fuck. Like, it's like a weird thing just because I'm differently perceived in America. But I've been playing England for, you know, since the late 90s. So, like, I, yeah. but I, I've never really gotten any farther. Because yeah. I'm such an asshole. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't... I don't think you should put it as like that. I think it's another... Uh, you know, also audiences, they they don't like necessarily to be uh, challenged uh, in... Not, not intellectually, but they might not want, uh, for instance, a woman to come on with that degree of confidence, and they would find that unsettling. Women as well as men. And, um, and it's the same often when you get, uh, you know... Uh, you can get very uh, high status kind of uh, comedians will come on and they've got too much energy or something and it can it can it can sometimes go the wrong way if they're if they're presenting themselves as cool rather than idiot rather than foolish you know right right I mean so. it's like a very but it's a very British thing to um, kind of be very you know it, it, it's you there's a deference yeah you want to be deferential to each other always at yeah. the beginning yeah and then maybe something else can happen yeah, yeah. one of the brilliant 
things I think uh, about Eddie Izzard is his 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 approach is he's not he's not he's not a, he's not a predator to anyone because he's he 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 crosses over all kinds of different boundaries. So I think guys can be there very comfortable enjoying his brilliance, but not feeling threatened by him because he's got such a an unusual uh, look to him and an approach and. Uh, and women adore him, but they don't think that he that they want. You know, he's there because he wants to get off in the morning like that. It's it's um, it's a very it's a very interesting dynamic that he sets up, and and it, and it creates an, an environment in which he can do the stuff he does. It's it's um, it, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Because the audience are so sensitive, aren't they? You know, that's your the the the, the thing is that Lenny Bruce said the audience is a genius, and it is a genius. It is absolutely so perceptive of everything and anything. But to the, but also to the specifics of the place, because oh, yeah. in England it's not about race; it's about class, and in, in America it's about race. So yeah. that's why it's different perception. But in England, class is so subtle, yeah. and so in every interaction that, mm. and it's something that is, Americans have a hard time really seeing. That's why we don't understand those different accents, mm. uh, denote, sort of denote class. Yeah, we don't know. No. I'm only because I just been there, so I know. Yeah, in a way, uh, you know, the American system of uh, you know where, where it's all about race is far is a far easier thing to to deal with, and in a way, I, I kind of envy that because especially with the, with with a thing like Jewish comedy, where it's such it's such an understood idea over in America whereas in in the UK although there's of course there's a Jewish community uh, all over uh, in the UK but there's no such thing as the as the the, the Jewish kind of personality that is right. is played off in in right. New York and so on we, that where they and they get that immediately Seinfeld and yeah. all of those all of those uh, so many of them uh, but that that you would never get coming out of the UK whereas you do get as you say you get the class thing being played on all the time yeah it's really interesting mm. it's really interesting so weird. It's so like I'm. Yeah, I love England and I love working there and I, I do well there. But it's so specific and I've done so bad. I remember one time I was at the comedy store and uh, uh, what is it? Not Soho. Is it Soho? This one in Soho. In Soho, yeah. That's yeah. why it's just Leicester Square. Yeah. Leicester Square, yeah. yeah. There and I was bombing so bad. And then I, I mean, I thought they were gonna kill me. Like people were stand. I'm standing on the table in the front row mm. and then people are standing up. Oh fuck! Shut the fuck up! Like really fucking screaming. Like it wasn't like a set. Oh, they were screaming back at me. I was screaming at them. And then I got off. I fucking dropped the mic. And then I got off. And then I was like, you know, I got off and I was talking to the comedy. They were like, oh, oh, what was that? Like, and I go, I go, oh fuck! I fuck! I should, I should. I forgot to tell them, tell them that I'm a multi-millionaire. Yeah. And I wanted to go back out there. And they're like, no, no, Morgan, just like, don't, 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 don't. Because <laughs> it was like that. Like it was like. You know, like yeah. I mean, so violent. Yeah. So I'm so stupid. Well, I, I don't think you should blame yourself for that. I think that you know, the, the, in in some on some evenings at the comedy store, as we all know, in in the UK, it can be a, it can be a very rough crowd, and and they won't and they're not tolerant of, of of a comedian like you. They want they want they want the same thing every night. They want, they want something, something funny. Well. <laughs> They want someone to be funny on their terms. I'm different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want an entertainer. That's what they've come for. And I'm just not. You know, I am when I need. I want to be on my terms. That, yeah. And yeah. But do you think then those kind of rooms are wrong for you now? Well, no. I continue to do them, but um, in every time it's a struggle, and it's like I'm trying to find the change within. Yeah. You know where I can like go. I need to adapt to this and not be so. Um, 
arrogant. There were quite a lot of comedians, but that would be that would involve changing your whole approach, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. On, and yeah. are you, do you want to do that? Yeah, I think so. I think it would be good for me because I need to take, get taken down sometimes. Like that's like my. It's ridiculous, you know. And there's there's a lot I can learn. Yeah. But obviously, a gag. If you were doing a high status thing, would it, would you do something to burst the bubble immediately and and a, a joke at your own expense? Would you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah for I could probably, I could do do it even better. Yeah, sure. Because sure. it's coming from such a high place, but yeah. then it's coming from such a chip on my shoulder, fish out of water, dumb American thing. But it's fun. But now we're in a sort of a neutral space in Australia. Oh, they're singing the song. What's happening? The mag. Was this? Did they start? Oh, uh, this is it. The, the people the listening to this know what's in the background. No. <laughs> what is this? Have you been to a game like I've this? Never been to one of these games before. This is Aussie rules football in Melbourne, yeah. and uh, this is where people just kick a. It looks like an American football. And they they don't have any uh, any armor on like they do in American football, and they have four goalposts each. And I don't know. We're about to watch it anyway. They all wear incredibly tight trousers as well. High high t- very short very trousers. Very high shorts. Yeah. Well, Jim is um Australian. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim is the first Australian comedian to have been on Letterman. Really? He did a great set on Letterman, killed. First Australian, only Australian comedian. So far, I think. But uh, I've lived in the States, so I, it doesn't count no, okay. as much. But uh, yeah. Have you done David Letterman? No, never done that, no. It's pretty nerve wracking. I bet it is, yeah, hugely. I've only, done the pa- I've only done it as an actress. Yes. But I think Jim did the hardest thing is doing stand up comedy on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I Google it endlessly because there are so many good performances on that show, aren't there? Oh, yeah, of, the stand up um, comedy. But Jim's yeah. really, you have to see him as so great. Mm. So funny. But it's very, uh, I think that's the hardest one of the gig of all time is the let him. I bombed really bad on TV and like the Tonight Show and stuff. I'm actually banned from the Tonight Show as a comedian. Really? But not as an actress <laughs> and not as a musician. So I can go on on those right. things. The only thing I'm not banned on as comedy is Craig Ferguson. I can do that. Uh, Craig, yeah, Have yeah, you yeah, done that? Yeah. No, I've not done. Uh, I've, I've done a few clubs in New York uh, a long time ago, but I, I, don't, I haven't spent any time over there doing stuff. But people in America really know you. Yeah, do they? I, I, you know, I, I'm very busy where I am, and I, I'm not, and I, I'm not on um, a mission to to spread the word or anything. So I'm, you know, if, I think to go over to America, you have to sort of have a, a gig to go to and something that someone has invited you out. Come and do this, come and do that. But it's not, you know, it's not happened yet for me. So, and I don't think I'd go if I could, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I think you have a really big fan base, and it would be good for them. Yeah, if if, if, if I, I wouldn't mind doing a few little gigs in New York, it'd be fun yeah. for a change. But a, as a career thing or anything, Maybe that's like not. Carnegie Hall or something. Yeah, you should do like an American, uh, a sort of American record, like an American comedy re- recording at Comedy Hall. Uh, yeah, I'd like Hall. to do a little club. I'd like to do like a little club. I remember doing. I did Catch a Rising Star. You remember that place? Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. Caroline's. Yeah, and yeah, those yeah. places, were, right. were, which I love playing, and they're great fun. But um, and those are the yeah. kind of those kind of rooms that I kind of fell in love with in the first place with comedy. That's what I thought it should always be about. Yeah, really cool. Did you do Caroline's? No, no. The last time I did Caroline's, I was so drunk that I blacked out during my set. I have no idea what happened. I was I think it was like in 1990 when I stopped drinking, like 1997. So I picked it up again yeah, yeah. ten years later. But yeah. I but but responsibly. Responsibly. Well, yeah, now I drink responsibly. But I, uh, when I was there at Caroline's, I, they, they, people were giving me so many drugs. And, um, you know, there was like all these like beautiful like models with tons of coke, which I didn't even do. Yeah. But they were just giving it to me. So I felt like I had to accept it because they were just all beautiful. And so Caroline's is that memory for me. A little different. 
fell in love with it in a different way. <laughs> so we are um, here. We're going to watch the game. Thank you so much, Jack D. Uh, thank you very much. Nice talking to you, Margaret. Yeah. You're amazing. We oh, love you. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. What do, what, how can people tweet at you? How many what? Twitter? What's your Twitter? Yeah, I get. Yeah, I have Twitter account. What is it called? Uh, it's the real Jack D. Oh, the real Jack yeah, D. Yeah, yeah. Does someone have a, a There was There was another person who called himself Jack D, and that's when I was alerted to Twitter in the first place. So, oh. So I had to set up an account on my own. So you were the real yeah, Jack D. I'm the real Jack D. Well, that's good. We're going to be here with the real okay. Jack D watching this real Australian rules <laughs> football. Footy. Is it footy? Huh? Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs>